Welcome to episode 97 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we hung out with Marshall Bach and Joshua Sortino. They're two of our friends who I have a podcast with. Brian doesn't. Suck it, Brian. But we've had them both on the show before. So this time, instead of doing a straight interview style, we decided to do a roundtable. So Josh came in with some thoughts and we just chat uh, talking about things like... <laughs> we just chat. Just chat about Isn't design it? leadership, careers, uh, mentorship the things we look for in designers when we hire them, how we've been structuring teams, like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So hopefully you get some some good tidbits out of it. But before we get into that conversation, we want to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. Our sponsor for this episode is Wayno. Wayno is the all dancing, all singing, fast growing, not quite bourgeois, not quite bohemian, full service digital agency. And I love that they describe themselves that way. To simplify, they are a kick-ass design agency doing amazing work for companies like Google, Medium, Dropbox, Reuters, Cisco, Fitbit, Dropbox, Red Bull, Airbnb, all the good ones. And our friends are starting to work there and they want you to work there too. Yeah, Linda Eliason just got a job there. Uh, they're, they're the last person they hired before her, Al, uh, was actually a listener. And so Wayno asked us to talk about the fact that they're hiring. So you should go to their website, wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. They have a careers link in the header. Check out their work, see what they're up to. If you've ever been on Dribble, you've definitely seen their work. It's gorgeous, world-class design work. And they want you to work for them, either in New York or San Francisco. It's seriously next level. And it's been so much fun working with Wayno. Like her alter's done a couple episodes with us. One of them was live. He's also ran our inspect critique, weekly critique, like uh, last week even. So yeah, it's it's awesome working with them. So be sure to check them out. That's at wayno.co. Huge thank you once again to Wayno for sponsoring the episode and making this show possible. And with that, let's get into episode 97 with Marshall Bach and Joshua Sortino. I'm Joshua Sortino at Sortino on Twitter. I'm Marshall Bach at Marshall Bach on Twitter. But what do you guys actually do? Like, <laughs> uh, I don't care about your Twitter handles. Oh, well, I tweet on, professionally on or like as for money. Like, for what, do, what do you guys do on both? Yeah. So uh, I am a designer at Teespring. Uh, I lead the design team there right now. And Teespring is a platform for anyone to create and sell apparel. Cool. As long as really, it's t-shirts. Really cool. Ah, there's more than t-shirts. And now. people are willing to spring for them. <laughs> hey. hey, we have a lot of t-shirt jokes internally. I would yeah. imagine. We call everybody part of the team. T-E-E. Oh, you man. had to spell yeah. it out, dude. Yeah, that's a bad team. pun. Only works on paper. Uh, I also love photography. Do a lot of that on the side just for fun. It's how I get away. Yeah, And then... Uh, Vicarious, which a lot of movies, TV shows, etc. Vicarious is a podcast we do. Yeah, it's on Spec Network. It's me, Josh, and Bryn. I'm Marshall Bach, by the way, at Marshall Bach on Twitter. Um, yeah, we do this podcast called Vicarious. Uh, was that, was that <laughs> you already said that. <laughs> what, what, what's your I job? Got, oh, I don't know if I got cut out. I don't know. We did this five times. Um, yeah, my job, I'm design lead for YouTube Gaming, which is a gaming-specific vertical for YouTube. For a company no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Y-O-U-T-U-B-E.com. Uh, ah. So let, let me set this up real quick. During an episode of Vicarious, Marshall and Josh and I had a conversation and I shared that conversation with Brian and Brian was like, holy shit, we have to get these guys on the show to talk about this because we think it's a fairly important topic. So we uh, now we're doing that. But we don't know where the conversation is going to go. Josh is going to basically lead us off on a thought and we'll go from there. Yeah. So the thought is basically the, the current state of design leadership. 
And if we we take a step back and we look at our industry and compare it to other industries, it's a very new industry, right? Digital product design is very new. It's still in its infant stages. Whereas digital engineering has been around for for a long time, probably twice as long, maybe even longer than that, three times as long. And when you look at an organization, you see VPs of engineering or chief engineering officers, right? Uh, CTOs. We don't see that as much with design, right? You don't even see it as much on the VP levels or even the managerial levels. A lot of startups will have, you know, engineering leads, but no design leads. They'll just hire a product designer. And one reason for that is the lack of design leadership. And that is because the industry is so new. If you look at engineers, you know, you have engineers with five years experience, 10 years experience, 15 years experience, right? And that's when they start making it to the VP level, the C level. Designers, the majority have, you know, two years, three years, maybe five years of product design experience. Very few have 10 years product design experience or 15 years product design experience. I would say there's probably only a few thousand that have more than 12 to 15 years of actual product design experience. Now, design experience is different than product design experience in my mind. There might be a lot of designers that transition from print or from other industries of design, other verticals of design. And I think that it's almost like a knot where you can look at, you know, there's this many product designers with one year, you know, there's a ton of them. There's this many with two years, there's still a lot. And you can keep going until you get around the five-year mark, six-year mark. And I think that's when it starts to become a rarer commodity that companies are really looking to acquire in their companies. I think design leadership is going to be super important over the next three to five years as these organizations mature, as they build bigger design organizations. If we look at Facebook, for instance, Facebook probably has, you know, 100 to 300 designers, somewhere in that range. And Google probably has 500, 800 designers at this point. You go back 10 years, those organizations only had like between one and 20, right? Can you elaborate on the difference between a designer and a product designer before you go a little further? Yeah. So, you know, a designer is a very broad thing to be. You could be a print designer who is focused around creating experiences that you have through words, right? Whereas a digital product designer is a designer that's creating experiences that you have through an interface, a user interface. And this is something that really exploded with the introduction of like smartphones, right? It became much more important to have product designers. Also, just as you know, the internet was adopted more, uh, it became important. For a while, companies didn't even hire product designers because they felt like they could get along with just their engineering teams. And then they realized, wait, we actually should have people thinking about this, being more thoughtful about it, and we'll just put them in our engineering teams. And then it sort of evolved from there. And it was like, well, actually, these people should probably have their own manager sort of, you know, become their own team. And now it's almost like they're finally getting to the point where companies realize they need their own vertical within the company, right? Um, They still need to work closely with engineering, but it's not always completely falling under engineering teams. 
I think the bottleneck is the lack of design leadership, though, to carry teams to that point, right? There's not enough VPs of design. There's not enough CDOs to to go around for these companies. So is, it, is this a, a problem or do you just see this as something that will be solved as, as a function of time, like as It'll these ones and twos and threes yeah. in the next decade or at six and So sevens? if you think of it like a knot that's moving along as every year goes by, right? It's almost like there's a weight pulling that knot across. And once that knot reaches the level of 10 years or 15 years, that's when you're going to start seeing CDOs become a very common thing. It'll just be like, oh, yeah, just like a CTO or a CPO. CPO? So close. Chief product Product officer? Mm. That's a fancy product manager. Um, (laughs) Do you think that this... Well, one, I think that the the reason there's so many young ones starting out is because it's it's only recently become a very popular thing. It's it's only become like a cool role to have. Mm-hmm. Before it was kind of, I would even flimsy, argue, the, I think, it, cool but lucrative, right? That's that's true. It, it has recently become much more lucrative, especially with the way things are right now. Like you could leave your job at where wherever if you're like a five year senior designer and pick up a job wherever you want. I just that's picture like exactly a designer like putting on his leather jacket and glasses and walking to work. Yeah, I'm cool. Do you think that a big chunk of why, besides the fact that it's just recently become lucrative, that there is such a young industry, uh, you mentioned five, 10 years. Um, it hasn't been 10 years since the iPhone came out. Yeah, I mean, there there were product designers before the iPhone, right? So you have to think about the people who are really the pioneers of product design, who unfortunately seem to have not stuck around that much. Uh, the people who, you know, designed AOL, right? Like these experiences from way back in the day and things like the original Google interface, you know, there were still designers behind that. Um, well, even like Soleil with OG Facebook, he's he's a great designer, but also he's taken more of a role of being like a, an investor right. type. Right. He's not an active product designer, it seems. Yep. You've seen a lot of these pioneers of product design move on from their roles in design, right? They become CEOs of companies now. They've, they've started their own things or they've moved on to bigger roles in a company like a CPO, right? Because design wasn't quite ready to have that C-level, but, you know, product was and they had a lot of product experience as a designer or, you know, really just moving out of the industry completely because they made a lot of money from the early days of the internet. Right. So, you know, I I figure there's probably only a few thousand uh, of the original OG designers from before the iPhone that have like stuck around, like the the real product designers. It's clear you've been thinking about this a lot. I'm trying to like understand if if this is a a problem that needs addressing, or if you're just trying to observe like a general state of the evolution of design careers and and tracks and stuff like that. Or is there a problem that you're seeing with this? I would say we should look at this more like an opportunity. If you're a designer with, you know, five years experience or more, you should start looking at the industry and the state of the companies and and what is needed. And you should start learning those skills. So if companies need more leaders, start learning, find a mentor, because they're going to need design leaders. And you're probably the best fit for that role. That begs the question, like, do you know early enough on in your career that you want to be a people manager like that's a pretty major if if you got into design for the pretty pixels 
it's kind of a big step to say, I want to manage people on day to day and not actually touch the product. I just want to make sure that it's going in the right direction and that people have, you know, are, are doing their jobs and everything. And how do you, how do you make that decision within the first few years of your career? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's tough, right? I think that's why it takes at least five years. Yeah. And you, you have can... to see it done wrong and you have to see it done correctly. Yeah. Right? That helps a lot, right? That definitely helps a lot. When you experience how it's done wrong. You're like, man, I don't even know if you know I want to do this anymore. And then you mm-hmm. see it done right. And you're like, wow, I see how it's done right. And I know all the things not to do. And that's kind of when you end up in those types of roles. And normally it takes about five years, yep. eight years to get to that point. Yeah. I think another thing that matters a lot is, do you enjoy the micro or the macro, right? Yep. Uh, we were just talking before the podcast and you said you really enjoy the micro, Mm-hmm. And I was saying, I enjoy both and I enjoy both, but I don't think I could give up the micro for just the macro. Right. Yeah. And whereas most of my time these days is spent on the macro, right? I do miss a lot of the micro. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Like that's the, the bread and butter of design is being micro about it, right? About the pixels, about every little detail. But to be a good leader, you have to start empowering others to be able to focus on those details, right? Your job becomes more about removing blockers or a common term is the shit umbrella, right? Um, And another thing you do a lot of is figuring out how to get the team to work well together, right? What types of design reviews do you need to do? How do you handle retros uh, at the end of the week? Um, And what I mean by that is like you talk about what's working, what's not working on the team, etc. Right? So all those things come into play as a leader, well, not to mention working with every other team, like being a point of contact yeah. for every other, you know, marketing and uh, every other team that affects your stuff and, and uh, pushes helps push out this product at the end of the day. Absolutely. How many years of experience do you have, Josh? I was curious about this too. Yeah. So product design, it would only be about six, six and a half. But you say I'm only actually probably a, only about, and that that puts you on the probably higher end of the distribution curve. Probably, yeah, definitely, I would think so. Um, total years of design experience, probably like 11 at this point. So, Marshall? Standard deviation, Sortino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have uh, 12 years of experience in the industry I, um, of like differing levels. I've only been leading a team for probably two years uh yeah about two years but um yeah i mean it depends like i don't know where you draw that line it's really hard right i've been learning for 12 years like i've i've been i've been absorbing the wrong way to do it and the right way so to do it for 12 i years. draw the line right after marketing website design right so i started doing marketing website design like oh man 10 years ago right or about nine years ago i did some print before that and like I would say it's six years of UI experience, right? Like UI design is so different than mm-hmm. like marketing yeah. design. Yep. I've basically only been into like hardcore UI user experience design since the iPhone came out. That mm-hmm. was the thing that clicked in my head like, oh, that was like nine years ago. My God. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I remember. Well, even like the when the iPod Nano, the iPod Nano was my first foray into Apple products. I'd been a PC guy my entire life. And uh, when when the, the 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 skinny nano, not the fat square one, but like the skinny nano, uh, when that came out, well, the, I was the like, fat one was the mini, right? No, no, uh, no. The, they had the square nano, and then the, yeah, they like retold it. Shit, wait, right? when did the iPhone come out? How long ago? Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Yeah, nine yeah. years. 
Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, well, that's a little how, bit before that's how that, long about I've been designing then. Just for like UIs, the entire like the the scroll wheel thing that they had on the iPods and everything. Just the idea that like, oh my god, this is a really good experience. I'm just scrolling through a fucking list. You know, that got me. It's like, oh, it doesn't have to be shitty. It doesn't have to be shitty. Whoa, <laughs> this is a, this is a whole new thing. And then the iPhone came out, and they had all those videos with the guy in the black shirt, like walking you through how to do different things on the phone. It's like, they've thought about this so much. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I I watched all those, threw myself into it, and been into it ever Actually, since. Actually, I would say it's probably about the same for me, too. I yeah. had a pocket PC, right? And iPhone came out, and I, it just ruined my world. I was mm-hmm. like, everything I thought I knew about <laughs> yeah. mobile devices is gone yeah, at yep. this point. Like. Yeah, what they call a uh, Palm Pilot. I had a Palm Pilot, a really shitty yep. Palm Pilot, and I thought that was like the pinnacle. And then the iPhone came out. I was like, oh, I've been living under a rock. Yep. This is amazing. Well, this is the sidekick before that. That was pretty cool still. Oh, yeah, the, th- the flipped out the, the screen. Yep. Sarah yeah. had one of those. I wonder how many people are old enough to remember the sidekick. Yeah, I definitely remember. How long that. have you been doing this, Brian? Uh, I don't know. I. It, think you draw the line in weird places like i first started print design in high school but then i took like a break in college and did product design for probably three years i think i'm in my third going on fourth year okay something like that oh he's such a baby he's, he's so early <laughs> he's getting yeah. started man and I'm how about it. he's so much younger than all of us though. it's awesome yeah you're you're like way farther along in your career than i was at your age so this is this is good. well no i mean when did you start so you would have started when you were 20? Uh, yeah, well, 21 when I left college, I think my first job, because my, my first job was in casino games and I had to be 21 to like get hired. <laughs> you have to... <laughs> I, I think I'd literally You have to be just... old enough to gamble on the game you design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the true. Yeah, there's, there's regulations and shit. What about you, Brent? Um, I got my first design job in 2009. And that was... That was designing interfaces. So okay, interfaces. Two thousand seven years, six years. So you guys are all like at the upper end of the spectrum. So here, here's in the back of my I'm mind. Old. What I'm wondering is, yes, you do are. you see <laughs> Thanks, design building a parallel structure to engineering? There's a ratio of like ten to one engineering to design, right? Like so, in terms of personnel and headcount, there's differences. But I'm wondering if career tracks, we're going to see the same thing where junior programmer programmer, lead, EM, VP, something like on and on. Are we going to build that exact same structure for designers or does this this ratio make a difference? At Google, I feel like the design, the structure that you're talking about, that that is kind of, I mean, I've only been there for four years, so like I'm, I'm not super OG, but uh, it's pretty OG. That's pretty OG, dude. Okay. The, I'm, the I'm average like way OG, you guys. The uh, average tenure in this city for a designer is 11 months. At any given company or just in general? Any given company, the, like the, the average. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, yeah, I, don't, I don't hop around to different And we should also talk Designers about... Designers aren't vesting, apparently. Let's, let's add to our list what you're about to say and also why designers are so damn finicky. Okay. <laughs> finicky is an interesting assumption. Restless? Well, what, what, was your, what was your thought real quick on yeah. the structure? Yeah, yeah so the structure, I feel like at Google, the structure for design has organically been you know formed based on the existing engineering structure because there is a very solid engineering structure at Google like that that has been like since day one and one another thing that we're kind of dealing with now is like the tools and processes 
there really isn't anything laid out. We don't have a bug tool for design. We don't have all of these strict regiments to like uh, structure how how teams work and how things. There's no code review for design, right? Um, you have to create that yourself within your team, but there's no there's no cross company rule about how this is how it works. So I'm I'm curious to see how that forms in the future. I mean, we're trying to do it, but it's ourselves. But you're basically but, saying yes in your own way. You're forming a vertical completely from top to bottom for design within Google, right? Like some companies, design stops at like the PM level, right? Like it goes product designer, senior product designer, product manager, and like that's it. There's you know nothing yeah. else in the design track. I mean, but my, at Google, you have VPs that are designers. Yeah, my, my boss's boss meets with the CEO on a regular basis. Matthias? Uh, Fred. Fred Gilbert is the UX lead at YouTube. Um, and he meets with Susan on a regular basis. And, and like it's, it's very flat at Google, so there's really very few levels between any designer and the CEO, which is awesome. I, I think it's a great thing. And at Facebook... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems very similar from what I've learned. It's a, it's a very. Uh, it seems like a wide tree rather than a tall tree. Yeah, it's wide. I mean, you have everybody's a product designer uh, within that. You have IC levels, uh, which are not known to other people. Uh, then above that, it's I don't know. I I guess there's technically lead designers, but nobody says that. And then you get into design managers, but that's actually a separate track. And then you have design directors and then... Yeah, and then you get into the whole thing of what's your title versus what do you actually do? Like I'm... My title is staff designer, but that doesn't mean anything. Like I'm a design lead or I, I lead a team, but that my, my actual thing in MoMA, like, you know, the, the thing describing what my job is, is not the same as my title. MoMA? Uh, sorry. Inside Are you in baseball. the Museum of Modern Art? <laughs> that's, that's Google Inside Baseball, sorry. Yeah. What about at Teespring? So you've been there for a couple of years now. Yep, yep, a couple of years. What's, what does that look like for you? Um, well, at Teespring, I was there before there was any structure, right? Like, it was a startup, there was a CEO, and there was everyone else. Um, and we built up the engineering team, right? And it's a very solid engineering team from... Uh, VP of engineering down to engineering directors. There's also engineering managers, but they both sit on the same level. It's kind of more of like a, you know, seniority thing. And then you have lead engineers and regular engineers. And design, I would say we're still, it's still a smaller design team. So the structure for that right now is really just me as the design manager and then all of the designers under me. Um, you know, it's it's pretty flat right now on the design team. And then Brittany, I feel like we have a pretty good spectrum here. So Marshall's got like multiple years of experience, big co, kind of working our way down and then Bryn's. And, and you've got a team under you. And a mm -hmm. team. And now Bryn, you're just starting to build your team at a startup. Yes. So what's that like? It's been great so far, honestly. Um, it's just you and one other designer. Yeah, I, I spent a long time trying to hire, and everyone I tried to hire got snatched out from under me. Uh, one girl got snatched up by Twitter. One girl got snatched up by Nerd Wallet. Like, yeah, they're great spots. Um, one guy kept his job uh, working on an ad company down in uh, Slow for the time being, and then Slow uh, San, San Luis Obispo. Obispo. Oh, 
No, I, I just got my uh, first designer, and he's been there for like six weeks. But when, eight the, weeks when it's there. the two of you, do you, get, do you guys distinguish between roles, or are you guys just product design? We are more or less partners. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. why would you need to distinguish that at, at two, right? We split work and crit a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just mentioned that, you know, it was a little bit difficult to find a product designer. I'll also attest to the fact that it is becoming harder and harder to hire good product designers because of that knot that I was kind of talking about. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, design is like one of the most important things for companies. So everybody's hiring product designers and there's not enough to go around on the leadership side. And then you start to work your way down to even just product designers that you just need, right? So maybe you don't even need that lead product designer or head of product design you just want a good product designer even those are getting snatched up everywhere right so what does a good product designer mean what are, what are the things that people can learn to become good product designers yeah so i would say number one foremost well first of all it depends do you want to be a good product designer at why are you shaking your head that is like that is it's a, a huge, huge question. question it is a huge I, question I, I well, take a, take but a i'll tell you it and then I think... i'll tell you the number one thing i look for in a startup for a product designer right this is this might be different in a big company but that is the ability to execute and what i mean by that is a lot of people and i think this applies to a lot of jobs not just design a lot of people you know a problem gets thrown in their way and they say oh well there's something in my way i guess i'll just give up right? Until somebody moves this boulder out of the way. A good employee is like, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to move this boulder. It's not part of my job, but I'm going to go talk to people. I'm going to go, you know. Someone owns this boulder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go figure, figure out how to get this off the road so I can continue down the path, right? That is the number one thing I look for. And I love that that's not even a hard a hard design skill. Right? I consistently find that the hardest part is to start on something, not to finish it. And people often just don't start, especially younger designers are like, oh, well, engineering has to do this thing for me. Well, it's like a small HTML, CSS problem. You can learn that in like a day. You know what? I would hire someone who is less skilled on the pixels, even less skilled on the UX because they can learn those things, mm -hmm. right? As yeah. long as they're willing to like just push through and plow through. You want to hire someone who can learn. That's the thing. Like if they're not good, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can learn. Like, They'll have time, but yep. do they have the capacity to learn? Yep. Um, I think for me, the biggest, well, not the biggest, there's a bunch of big things, but one of them is also passion, like giving a shit. I think a lot of, a lot of that boulder moving stuff is just like, how much of a shit do you give to make this thing awesome by the time it ships? Cause there's a, there's a deadline fast approaching and this thing needs to get out. If we have this boulder in the way, somebody's got to deal with that boulder. I'm probably too busy to deal with it, and this falls on you. If you just don't do anything about it, then we're going to release a product that obviously has this boulder-shaped hole in it, right? So, mm -hmm. sorry, I'm taking the metaphor pretty far, but um, yeah, I mean, passion is a, a huge thing, um, and you can't teach that, and you can't learn that. That's a thing that is innate. If you don't have it, you, you're yep. never going to. Are there things that are deal breakers for you as far as skills, things that are missing that you see in a lot of designers? I mean, the biggest deal breakers for me are personality. Like if you're a jerk, we're not going to get along and that will stop everything for good from happening. Um, and you know, Steve Jobs kind of 
is bad is, name. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah it's, it's don't be Steve Jobs. A lot, I of, think a lot of people do want to be that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they see that and they go, "He's successful. He did it. He was an asshole. Everybody knew he was an asshole and was okay with it." And he's like the Michael asshole. Jordan of product design to a lot of people. But Michael Jordan's a nice guy. <laughs> well, I'm just I, as I think, far yeah, as you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's why designers come into roles with such big egos and they like ask for like after the fact co-founder titles and ridiculous amounts of stock and I, I think that comes back to why the the average tenure is 11 months I think companies fire them in 11 months so they don't have to give them these ridiculous stock grants <laughs> <laughs> really I would are, huh interesting yeah but if you haven't man if my you initial assumption was that it's 11 months because designers get restless and leave not because that's they get what fired. I, would, I would assume yeah but maybe that's so that's not a common but maybe also so. I mean startups constantly die there's all sorts of things yeah. that could cause it that's true well this is interesting I think you know, if, if people listening can get stuff out of this episode, it's like, what should they be good at? What should they be bad at? So I'd Josh, be interested like, to hear. Don't what, be an ego. What's the average tenure mm-hmm. for an engineer? I have no idea. We should we should check that out, that out and compare. Because if it's also eleven months, it's kind of like, oh, huh. <laughs> I would guess not. I I would guess it's much longer. I, I would guess it's longer as well. Anecdotally, most engineers I know are very risk averse as well, yeah, so they, they stick for a long time. Just just anecdotally, personal experience, the engineers I talk to are like get into a good situation and they know it's good and they don't want to leave. It's amazing well, though. Designers get, I'll take a guess at why that is. I'll take a guess at why that is. Yeah. Engineering is a little bit further from product decision making than design is, right? So you're... Interesting. You are... They're paid very well, but their job is to execute on the code for the most part. Okay. Not make product decisions. I disagree decisions. with this. I would say in, Me too. in a lot of the startups that I've seen, it, it is this way. And especially in some of the bigger companies. Um, but designers work much closer with a product manager to make decisions on the company and the direction. Of the co- I'm not saying engineers don't do any of that. They do some of that. At what size company is this? Uh, yeah, so, so I think you're describing a an architect construction worker relationship between designer mm-hmm. and engineer. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think, I think that's hubris. I think so too, but I'm wondering if do you disagree with the idea or do you disagree that it happens? Because I I, oh, I, I agree with Josh happens. that it happens. No, it I'm just happens. saying it happens. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that's how it should be structured. Okay, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, My right. point is that's why you see designers leave maybe more. So I'm not saying that's a good thing is for engineers to be separated from the business and product decisions. I'm just saying that's how it tends to be. I think that often puts them in a place of, well, you know, I'm not making product decisions. I'm just going to go where it pays me the most and I'll just stick with it for a little bit. Whereas designers are trying to build something uh, that looks good in their portfolio, right? An engineer doesn't have to worry about that as much. Like, you know, I was an architect on a big software platform. Good, awesome, hired. Whereas a designer needs to say, I was designing a product that had millions of users and here's how like it grew. Can I just jump in there? Yeah. Designer pro tip, involve your engineer in product decisions and mm-hmm. they will love you. Mm-hmm. Very true. They Even will... if you don't take their advice, like just showing them that you care enough to ask and you're willing to listen oh to their ideas is, goes so far. So one of the things That's... I've noticed is actually like the best uh, developers I've worked with are the most risk averse. They're the people that don't stay the longest. But on the other hand, they immediately get involved in product decisions. Mm-hmm. If, if they get pushed out, that's when they leave. The thing for me is I think it's insane to that we have this idea that designers know better than the engineers. I think, That's bullshit. I think yeah. in many cases, the engineers are so close to these problems and so close to infrastructure and architecture, the way things work, 
they I know agree. the right I, answer for that platform. Well, and also, I think they're, they're it, distanced a, enough that they can look at a thing that you do, that you are so close yeah, to, yeah. that you've looked at forever and be like, okay, I think this is the right way to do it. And you show it to them and they come up with a great question. Like, why'd you do this? Like, ah, oh, fuck, good, good, good and question. And it's an, it's an incredible balance. And that's why I think... Um, when you hear, hmm, that's new, that's a problem. But you have this interesting thing where, you know, 10 years ago, product designers were the ones that were essentially UIEs, right? You had backend engineers and then designers, which built it. And we've started to diverge. And I feel like design becoming further removed from the engineering side is, it makes sense why that's happening in terms of just evolving as companies grow and, and get better and we're learning more. But I also think it's dangerous that design and engineering is like, that happens where designers don't loop in engineers on product decisions where that used to be one person, right? Yeah, I mean, what architect asks the construction worker, you know, what the building should look like, right? If that's your philosophy, like, why what would you ask should this be? Not, yeah, like, yeah, what's, not what's what, the best joiner right, for this? But that's the wrong way to be thinking not about Not what should it. it look like, but how are we going to get this built in a great way, right? Yeah, uh, I mean... What it looks like is one of the least important aspects. Yeah. Very true. Oh, that's, I mean, there, there are a number of examples you can point to of horrible looking apps that have create a huge user base yeah, and, and great looking apps that have done terribly yeah exactly. exactly i think tenure is so bad for designers because you will notice direction changes very quickly and frequently and it can be frustrating as a product designer especially if you are set in your ways and your decision making and you think this is the way i want to design this app you know the plates are always shifting in a startup especially and you know, I feel like a lot of people get frustrated with that. They're like, you know what, this thing I was designing, they completely changed it. And now I got to kind of start over from scratch and I don't feel like doing it. I'm out of here. Right. That happens quite often. Startups pivot all the time. Big pivots, little pivots. Uh, and I think I don't know how it is in big company world, but I imagine it's similar in different ways. Yeah. I, I mean, it's partly the competition. Sure. For sure. It's just so freaking good to be a a halfway decent designer in San Francisco. I think that's a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely think that's a big part of it. The second you put like, I'm available for hire, you're going to get 10 emails easily. Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't plan on leaving Google or YouTube anytime soon, but I'm pretty sure that if I did leave, like having that on my resume would be a huge boost. Fun little tip. Oh man, I'm giving away a super good tip here. Ah. Go to your Behance profile, go to your Dribbble profile, set your city to San Francisco, mm-hmm. even if you're not, <laughs> then wow. turn on the I'm available for hire and yeah. let the emails come in. Oh, um, Pro tip. nice. This is this is uh, kind of tangentially related. Um, I read a bunch of books on screenwriting, and one of the things they say in the screenwriting uh, advice that I've read is get a PO box in L.A. and uh, whatever you are sending stuff out to, like make sure that you include that LA PO box or get a phone number in LA with, with that area code. Even if you're not living there, you could be living in, in Kentucky or whatever, but set yourself up as someone who lives in LA and a lot of barriers will be brought down and you can always just move to LA. Once you get an offer for a gig, like you can just move there. You don't have to move there and try and make it while what, you're is there. Was this for acting? No, for writing screenplays, oh, like screenplays. As, a, as a writer. Yeah, probably for acting yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, I think auditions, you actually have to be there, but for being a writer, you yep. do, like you're just sending out mm. you know, mm-hmm. documents. But that reaches another thing. Just don't actually move to San Francisco without a job. Please, yeah. dear God, don't oh, do no, it. God, don't no, do that. Yeah, exactly. You can do it. You can do all this In stuff In fact, remotely. don't even visit 
without applying. Have... Like, just go apply to some companies have and interview mm-hmm. with those companies, and they'll fly you to San Francisco. Yeah, most yeah, most large companies or even the smaller ones will fly even you out, put it. you up for a weekend, do your whole interview thing or whatever. And yep. yeah, yeah, you don't you don't need to live out here yep. to try and find a job. Yep. When you I shouldn't live out here. When to try I did and find it, a job. Yeah, I had terrible. I set up. I, think eight interviews in three days or four days because that's how short the interviews were for product designers back then <laughs> now it's like full day interviews so it was like a couple hours and then it was like i had two sets of flights that i could choose from like flying out because multiple companies wanted to buy the plane tickets so mm. i was like okay i'll take your flight to the city but i'm gonna take this other company's flight out of the city so it's it was it's still pretty competitive. Game in the system. I like it. When when I first uh, started doing some contracting work for a company out here, they flew me out here for a week uh, to spend time with the team, make sure everything worked out, and that's when I met a ton of people. I mean, it, it is a very useful thing to get out here. It's just yeah, that you, you shouldn't. Have Twitter friends that that live out here connect with them when you come out here for an interview or just for a weekend or whatever to, to meet people and you'll make connections and the more connections you make, the more mm-hmm. opportunities you'll have for sure. Yep. I yep. have, I have a thing that I did for a little while, which the collection, to, I was going to no. make the joke, but I didn't. I'm trying to figure out like whether this is worth it. But what I did is put on my website, this line that was like open offer. If you want to get coffee, hit me up. Mm. And I got like, several emails a week tweets or emails a week and met just dozens of people getting coffee and doing all that kind of stuff and i think that it's interesting to do that as a designer already here this is kind of the inverse of what you guys are talking about but but i would encourage people to do that at least for a little while and like meet some new people who are having these same struggles like most of the people i meet are flying out for interviews at these companies and they just take the afternoon to to get coffee or lunch and i think that gives really good perspective on the struggles they're having finding jobs or or getting out to the into the industry things like that. One other thing on my mind is ramp up periods. I wanted to get your guys perspective on this because I've been at Facebook now for 6 months. And actually 6 months in 2 days, yeah. When this comes out, yeah, 6 months when this comes out. And I'm just ramped up. And I feel like it took me 6 months to get ramped up in a job. And that's insane to me. Yep. When, especially if we're factoring in this 11 month tenure, like I would can, say three, like okay. I would say three at the minimum, but like three months is, I mean, an entire quarter to get up to speed. That's kind of a long time when so, you mm-hmm. think about it from well, the outside. I would say, so we'll, we'll, we should, very def- we should define ramped up like by three months, you know, you know, the team, you know how to work with people, you know, the lingo, there's you know, always acronyms, and right? The I, things they call stuff in, internally. Each startup has their own, yeah, their yeah. own lingo. My definition of, of ramped up is getting to the point where you are, collaborating between teams, making decisions on your own without approval from anyone. Autonomy. Autonomy and the decisions you made are getting shipped without oversight. Uh, What did you do before Facebook? Where did you work before Facebook? Buffer, startup. Okay. I would say that, and what was your ramp up time at Buffer? I don't even remember. I wasn't even thinking that was my first, first yeah, gig, I would yeah. say, you know, first gig, and it might even be that way for first big company as well. Six months seems kind of reasonable to me, right? There's a lot to learn in your first startup. Like, expect six months for your first startup. I remember my ramp up time was so long. It was almost exactly six months. I felt the same exact way at Discuss. 
like first company that I started working at, I was like, man, like I've learned a lot in these six months. And then after that six months, you're like, I'm still learning a lot, but it's nothing compared to that first six months. Right. Um, and you don't get that either working as a contractor, working from the outside. Right. Like I, I worked a lot with startups before, but when you're in it, that's when the lingo starts coming up. That's when a lot of this knowledge is passed around. Teespring, not so much. It was like, hey, I can just hop right into this. Like I already know what I'm doing maybe a month of ramp up to figure out how the company works, figure out the product and stuff, maybe two months, right? I would imagine that if you go to another big company sometime in different. the future, you'll have a much quicker ramp up because you've already, you already understand how a big company works, right? Same as a startup. If you've already been to a startup, you're going to understand how a startup yeah, works. there's a base level of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I've been able to grow into a big company at Teespring. It started as a startup, right? So... I was able to ramp up quickly there, but then I grew with the company into a big company. So I, I kind of understand both now, um, but I can see how it would take a while. To so understand. maybe loosely drawing lines here is uh, if, if we take a three to six month ramp up period and the, we believe the stat that the average tenure is a year, I wonder if that is correlated with like that six months of being fully functional, fully functional fully is, is enough to bore designers who as a broad generalization, are constantly wanting to learn and go to the next step, right? But I think there's also, I, I do believe there's a big ego play. Like, that's one of the things I've consistently seen in designers. I can't believe the egos you see, like, day to day. Like, I love our industry. It's great, but I've never seen this yeah. high. It's not confidence. It goes far beyond confidence. Yeah. I I think there's a few reasons for that. Um I think, I think it's the Steve Jobs thing. They want to be Steve Jobs think, and they think that they yeah, should be questioned. Yeah, we don't hire those people. But, people. Yeah. So there's the Steve Jobs thing. I think part of it is maturity levels, right? You have a lot of young designers. You don't have those leaders to set good examples. So we look to people like Steve Jobs and we're like, oh, I guess that's who I need to be like, right? If there were more leaders that we could absorb like personality traits from, that would help a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing I think it is is a defensive mechanism that designers use to defend their stance on things. And I don't think it's a good mechanism to have at all. I think you need to, you know, fight against your personality to not let that come out. But I think a lot of designers use it like... What's the mechanism? I think it's sort of like, if I don't look like I am super confident in my decisions, then people are going to try to argue against them right mm -hmm. i think that is something you see so you see designers yeah. be assholes about their decision making i'll sacrifice power if i don't have supreme right. confidence right. In it. And, and standing on principle versus like getting something done mm -hmm. is also very yeah or like building relationships with your team through compromise and mm -hmm. you know sacrifice you know normal yeah. human things yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah go figure instead of working together they want to be alone they want to be the one that made the thing happen right and that's the thing when it comes down to it i can say i did this it was just me i'm the i'm the designer mm -hmm. all the praise gets heaped on me yep that's bad well a lot of designers they create what they want the product to be in photoshop and then they're like you know don't tear this apart don't don't do anything to this beautiful thing that i just created and then they complain about their engineers and burn bridges Mm -hmm. Exactly. Photoshop yeah. lies. It does. Yeah, Photoshop lies. So I feel like we're coming full circle to this, that your original point about design leadership. And I'm wondering what what we can do as ICs to 
have IC individual leaders, contributors, individual contributor leaders. Does the thing exist? Because I feel like the best individual contributors, ICs, are the ones with their heads down, getting shit done. They're not writing posts on Medium, or they're building side projects and shipping them. They're not writing on Medium. No, Whereas, there's anything wrong with Medium. Nothing like, wrong like with medium. medium, but I feel like the the design thought leaders are folks like Jeff Tehan and Julie Zhu, who are no longer ICs. They're design managers. They are amazing people. We have a lot to learn from them, but well, as an IC, we don't have that same parallel, right? Jeff does IC work, but he does it on side projects. I mean, he's he's involved in that, despite sure. the fact, yes. like, the, the details of his job. Although, that's he doesn't talk about that, right? He does. Mm, okay. He, he does things for himself. So I, I don't I don't quite get your question. What's your question exactly? Is there is there a parallel for an IC leader that that these one two and three year tenured product designers can look look up to and say, here is an an IC eight year person that I want to be like and that I can learn from, but it seems like our options I right now are to learn from design managers, which is a totally different track. I, I maybe I'm wrong here, but I think that there's probably more. I see leaders to look up to. I would I would also say that Are you asking for examples? Maybe if anything well, comes to mind. Well, I would say that these design leaders should have been ICs at some point, right? Like they should have that IC knowledge. Sure. These yeah. IC leaders oh, for that I'm sure. talking. Yeah. Like I think that's the problem is a lot of the design leaders in the industry, I won't name names, but a lot of them, you look at their backgrounds, it's like, oh, they came from art right? They came from print design. And it's like, yes, okay, they're a good leader, but they don't quite understand all the struggles I have as a, as a UI designer, right? As a product designer, right? I think there's a middle ground there. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think maybe it's, it's best if a manager has done the job of the people he or she is managing. Uh, but I think there's also the type of manager who tried to be an IC, realized they weren't all that great at it, and then went to a managerial role because they understood the role, but they realized their limitations, their, their skill limitations on that, but they have these other skills that are well more um, suited for being a manager. Does that make sense? So I don't, think, I don't think you have to be the best designer to be the best design manager, right? Are you, am I making sense? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, I agree yeah. with that. I, I, I think... If you're the best designer, you shouldn't be managing at all. You should be focused on that. Right. Or or in a role that will allow exactly you to do that. Design. Don't waste that resource. Th- this co- this comes up a lot. Is being a design manager the the career track for ICs? For Yeah, is that for, inevitable? For one, two, and three years, the people that we look up to, th- p- folks like Cap Watkins, I read his blog, uh, Julie Zhu, Jeff Geraldo Thorson. Okay, Hallie's a, maybe an outlier here. He's an IC that is killing it. Kim Boss. Uh, you mentioned Cap uh, Daniel Burka, Burka for sure. He's, like Burka is a great example of like a design leader. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best examples in the industry. Dan right Mall, yeah. If you want a mentor, design Burka, Ben or, Klein, design Burka, Daniel Burka, design Burka. <laughs> I mean, there's some incredible examples. I just think that people don't that they get caught up in like yeah. Mike Mattis and Johnny Ive ridiculous. But, but I would like, say part of the issue too is these are not people in your company, right? Like you go to a startup, there's a strong VP of engineering leader in that company, right? Somebody you can look look up to, somebody who's worked at Yahoo or Google in the early days or, you know, any number of companies. And like, you can go to that person, you you get that mentorship in your weekly one-on-ones with that person. These people, you have to read their blog, right? 
they're not in your company, right? My point is, at some point down the line, we will finally have those design leaders in companies, right? It's just we have to wait for that not to get pulled far enough in the timeline. Yeah, this goes to something that I was thinking about earlier, to a previous point about like, yeah, how, how long things have gone. And I feel like uh, I've been at Google for four years, um, or coming up on four years, and I was at pretty much at the very beginning of, or very early on of their design hiring. Like if you think about what Gmail looked like five years ago, I mean, most Google products were very much eng designed, right? And at, at, at a certain point, about four and a half, five years ago, Google realized like, oh, we should maybe spend uh, some effort on on good design, and they started hiring all these amazing people, Nicholas Chikoff, all these people. And you know, I was I was kind of on the tail end of the 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 head of that wave. And since then, look at what Google looks like design wise. I mean, they've released material, and there's there's so much thought and effort has gone better. into it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's in line with the uh, overall like how long people have been. Working, how much uh, experience people have is kind. Of, there's kind of a line there, just chronologically, of like that eh, didn't really exist before then, so there was no one to have this experience, right? Right. Except for at Apple, Apple had a couple of years head start, right? Yep. Other than that, yeah, there's this hard, hard line drawn. It's hard to. It's especially hard to get into this field if you. I think we were talking about this earlier. If you want to be a manager and you've never really done much IC work to like come into a large company as a manager. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. I look at it this way. You start as an IC, you probably spend one to three years just getting stuff done. Then you've had some time, you know, four years, five years to spot some patterns and things that you can fix in the process that you work within. You start introducing those improvements, right? They get adopted within the company. You start getting noticed for that, right? Recognized for it. You start getting promoted that way. You start learning the things that you enjoyed about design and why other people enjoy those things about design and help starting to give mentorship to other people, right? One thing that helped me a lot was I started mentoring college students a while back, right? You learn how to become a leader and it sort of just grows that way, right? And, you know, soon enough, you'll be a lead designer, you'll have one or two designers working under you that you, you'll you still be mentoring in a sense, right? And then it just grows from there, right? And it's just doing that, but ne- on the next level, right? Figuring out those problems you have as the design lead and, and introducing improvements to that process. And then you become a design director and it just, you know, snowballs from there. The key is you're always looking for ways to improve processes and your own personal skills and people skills, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if that answers what you were kind of yeah. asking. No, yeah. That, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. I think that, I think a huge takeaway from this is to question everything. I would right? say another huge thing is good mentors, right? And mm-hmm. that like, it's hard because what I'm saying is you need good mentors to become a mentor and we don't have enough good mentors, mm-hmm. but you still, you can find them in other areas. So for me, VP of product has been a great mentor to me in the past. Yeah. I got really lucky when I joined Google, um, Milk the the team that uh, Berka and Kevin Rose you know, were were part of they had mm-hmm. been acquired 
right around the same time I was hired, and they were kind of across the the space from from me, and uh, they were working on the mobile stuff, and I was like, I want to go do that. Like, I know I got hired for this thing, but I want to go over there, and I was lucky enough to get. A, a job work or like have a position working with Burka for Burka. Yeah. Burka for Burka. And it was great. Like that was, it, but it was all, it was luck and timing. He and speaks incredibly serendipity. highly of you. I, I love that guy. He's one of my favorite humans. So it's good to hear that he likes me too. Yeah. He's, and, and that was like total serendipity and he was a great role model for me while I was there. And I learned a ton from him. Uh, but I never would have had that, you know, like hopefully there's someone like that at your company that you can, line up with but it, it doesn't always happen you have to search for it if you don't get mm-hmm. it would you luck. say that your leadership skills would have been different had you not had the mentorship from Burka? oh for sure yeah i mean uh one of the things i do as a as a way of like checking myself on a regular basis is i have i think we we're talking about this the other day but i have these mental shoulder angels, right? That I that I, I'm constantly thinking about. Burke is one of them. Steve Jobs is another one. I have other people in my life that I respect their opinion. And whenever I'm designing something or working on something or managing a team or whatever, I I have them in my mind, and they're these little shoulder angels that sit on my shoulder and say that's wrong or that's right or do this better or you know. And I'm constantly making sure that I'm living up to these mentors that I've had in my life or these people that who, whose opinion I, I care for. So, um, yeah, having, having kind of a North star for yourself that, that's created from all the people that you've met in your life is, um, I think crucial. To wrap it up, it'd be cool since we're talking about design leadership and you guys have already given some tips, but like what, maybe we can go around, like what's the one thing you would say to these people in the one to, to three and four year mark uh, that they should start working on now to be to become that leader, the mentor. Like, what's one thing they should start focusing on? To become the mentor, to outside become of IC a work? good like product designer that, uh, let's, or get in, get on the path to being like a leader. Probably yeah. to get on the path to be a leader. What's how do you start thinking about that? You're gonna start with me. I can start me. actually because I don't want to go last. Do it. Uh, one thing someone said to me once that that's really stuck out was just being self aware. Like that's like Huge. a a crucial mm-hmm. skill just for uh, living life, but as a designer, being self aware of when when your process is bad, when your work is not as good as it should be, when you have been lazy, I would say that self awareness is going to help you start to identify holes and areas in process and final product that that you can start to improve upon, and that's going to like just hone your hone your ability to advise other people. And absolutely, so that's mine. I, th- I mean, I can go next. I, I have one. Um, I think one of the hardest things to do and one of the easiest things to do is just listen and pay attention. Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but the people in, around you will do things right and they will do things wrong. And you need to pay attention and recognize when those things are done correctly or done incorrectly and learn from them. Um, the best thing you can do in life is to learn from other people's mistakes so you don't make those same mistakes yourself. Because um, the mistakes are going to get made, but better off that it's someone else and not you, right? Especially for your career. So pay attention to everyone around you, see what they're doing, constantly analyze and say, is this right? Is this wrong? How does this work out? And then, you know, absorb that into your being and use that moving forward. I would say that the constantly analyze is huge and don't just do it for yourself. Do it for like everything, right? Analyze companies. Why did this company fail? Like, what did they do different than 
What did A company do different than B company? Why is the market going down right now, right? Like, learn everything. Mine would be communication. I find that a lot of designers are bad communicators, which Absolutely. is ironic, right? Mm. They, Very ironic. You've got to be a good communicator. Like, be on top of it. Mm-hmm. Check your email. Respond. Yes, I get that you need to, like, put yourself in the creative zone and separate yourself from the noise, but that doesn't mean you still can't be a good communicator when you come out of that box. Can I have two? Yeah, I think I have another one too. Okay, We'll allow it. Uh, One of the biggest things for me that's been super helpful is learning to make judgment calls quickly. Um, Learning to recognize things in people, in circumstances, in whatever that you can take away from it really quickly. Or if it's not something that's going to be constructive, removing yourself from the equation really quickly. That is something you can either waste a ton of time or you can just stall out. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but still, um, I think a lot of people get caught up in trying to like be patient with like trying to figure out how things are going to play out for them. Make a judgment call. Trust yourself. You have good gut instincts. People do. I mean, studies show that your instincts are like the best measure. So just do that. Trust them. Uh, And then the other would be use that to find people that you think you can learn from and get as many of them to be around you at all times as possible. Yeah, yeah. You want to be the dumbest person in the room always. Yes. Surround yep. yourself. I constantly yeah. the dumbest person in the room. Yep, me too. It's great. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah, having making sure that you you are always the the least equipped person in the room even though you should be well equipped like if you're surrounding yourself if if you're the smartest person in the room if you're the most skilled person in the room you need to get the fuck out of that room and mm-hmm. go find a, a room with smarter better people than you and that doesn't mean to be egotistical and think that you're smart <laughs> know when you're wrong mm-hmm. that judgment call thing comes on yourself as well mm-hmm. and don't be afraid that it to appear weak right like i think a lot of uh, designers yeah. stick to their decision because they're like oh i might be wrong but if i back down i'm gonna look stubbornness weak. is a weakness if, right? it, if it's like, still that's terrible if it's a might opt for whatever will earn you the most points with the people who you were with mm-hmm. as long Build as it doesn't relationships. destroy the product yeah uh i think another thing too if you're going to want to be a leader eventually um if you're an ic now and you want to be a leader be aware of how you are viewed by other people um, this is a thing that, I mean, we all do it. We're all like concerned about how other people see us. But like when you're a manager, you are that mentor for the people that you're managing, right? And every time you come out of a meeting and a decision is made and it's a stupid decision because it happens, a stupid decision is made and you had no ability to change it. And this is what's happening and it's going forward. When you go back to your people and let them know that that happened or like this is what's going on, you need to make sure that you're not, you know, ah, you know, the idiots over there, they made the stupid decision. I don't agree with it, but this is what we're going to do. Like, that's not that's not a thing you should do. You mentioned the shit umbrella earlier. Like, you need to, you know, shield your people from all that stuff. And every every single time that you come across as vindictive or spiteful, it's going to make an impact on your people and they're going to think that that's okay or you're going to be less um, respected in their eyes, right? Having self-awareness to say, okay, let me make sure that everything that I say to my people is well filtered in a way that makes their job easier, right? They don't need to know all the shit that came down. Like it stops at me, the shit stops at me and just information comes um, out the other side. (laughs) At the other side, that's going to stretching the shit metaphor but you know what i mean i feel the like product caterpillar yeah yeah i feel like that's might be one of the hardest ones to know how other people perceive you i struggle with it daily how do you do that 
Uh, no one knows. Well, like you can't ask because you? no. you'll never get a truthful answer. Well, this is the this is the constant analyz- analyzation thing. Like every day, I go home and I think there. Hopefully, there's zero conversations that I regret. Right, but every now and then I'll go home and there's a conversation like, "Man, I yeah, I, I did not handle that well. I should have not said that, or I should have said this other thing, or whatever." You know, and it, and it doesn't happen super often, but when it does, you need to recognize it and internalize it and make sure you never make that mistake again. It ties in perfectly with the, the biggest flaw we have is the ego. People are trying to do, As trying to protect the way people sure. see them. And they do that by putting up these walls of, of overconfidence and stubbornness. And so it's a, it's a delicate balance and that's really freaking hard to do. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say like... Everyone that is a designer has an ego. I no, know no. some incredibly nice designers. Uh, Brian Brian Lovin, for example, least ego-driven designer I've ever met. Yep. Thanks, buddy. Super nice guy. Least designery ego I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and this goes back to surrounding yourself with people, you know, who are better than you, but you should also surround yourself with people that you want to be like, mm-hmm. right? This is why I'm friends with you, Brian. It's because, oh, like, I, I think you rub off you on each be other. Tall. Everybody yeah. loves loving. <laughs> Everyone wants to be tall. Yeah, I already got the beard, but yeah, <laughs> I, I could use the height. <laughs> no, I'm already tall. <laughs> I'm tall enough. I'm, I'm happy with my height. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think when, when you surround yourself with jerks, even if they're the best jerks in the industry, that's still detrimental. I, I know this firsthand. Like, oh, yeah. I moved to the city. Like, I'm not going to get too gossipy here when i first moved the city surround myself around a lot of extremely like popular designers among design communities and you know quickly learned they were all jerks mm-hmm. and i was like man like if they were nice people they would go even further in their careers with their skill sets but they you know they just didn't want to change their personalities. And I was like, you know what? I don't even want to be like that. Like, if that if that's how I'm going to be as the most gifted pixel designer in the world, I don't want to be the most pic- gifted pixel designer in the world. Yeah. I want to be... And that's yeah. kind of actually when I started to make the decision. I want to become a des- design leader. I want to head down that track instead because I want to I want to be a nice person at the end of the day, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And they aren't mutually exclusive. It should come from yeah. the inside, right? It's like, I want to be good as opposed yeah. to, in order for me to excel in my career, yeah. I need other people to believe that I'm good. Right? Yeah. And the beauty of doing that is it's going to get you further anyways. Like, mm-hmm. hard skills alone get you, get you X distance. And- yeah, you'd be surprised how much you can get done when people respect you and don't think you're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to end. Maybe uh, as tradition, do you guys have anything to plug? Oh, yeah. We we have a a mutual podcast, which we mentioned already. But uh, yeah, Vicarious, at Vicarious underscore FM on the Twitters. Yeah. Uh, We talk about movies, video games, comic books, TV shows, basically stuff you do to get away from uh, the day-to-day. Yeah, we we do. do. Yeah, Bryn is another co-host on the show. So, uh, yeah. I'm writing an article about the state of design leadership. It should be out by the time this podcast is out. You have so a day. It'll be. <laughs> I, I will get it done. You better hurry, buddy. Okay, I have so many notes on this. I've been had these notes for months. I That's need good. to just put That's them together. Um, but uh, this talk helps solidify some of this. But stuff. it'll it'll be out for the podcast hopefully, and you can link to it in the show notes. Link in the show notes. Cool. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Thanks okay. for having thanks us. Thanks for doing it. That was episode 97. Thanks for listening. 
I thought that was a really awesome episode, like one of our best. That was fun. If you enjoyed this roundtable format, less interviewee, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM or let us know in our Slack team. That's at spec.fm slash Slack to join. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and tell us if we should do more like this. And before we go, we've got to thank our sponsor one last time. That's Wayno. Wayno is a ridiculously talented agency led by some ridiculously talented people. And now their staff is getting even better and they're hiring. So you can join that incredibly talented team. To do that, go to wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. Check out their work, peruse around, and then they have a careers link in the header. Send them an email, tell them we sent you, and get a job at a kick-ass design company. And you can do work for companies like Airbnb, Medium, Google, Dropbox, Fitbit, like all the big ones. We love them. Can't thank them enough for sponsoring the show. So once again, thank you to Wayno. We'll see you next week.